I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was already here. So uh, without further ado, what are we talking about today? We were talking about, I think, what everybody's talking about right now. Yeah. And that is the brand spanking new movie, Us. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peele's latest gift he has bestowed upon the world and horror fans specifically. Now, you say gift, and I'm not doing this to call you out in any way, but because uh, I felt similarly, but we both had sort of an almost underwhelmed reaction we did. when we first yeah. saw this not gonna lie yeah like i didn't think it was bad you didn't mm-hmm. i didn't get the impression you thought it was bad either or anything like that but i didn't know what to expect yeah and i didn't i didn't know what to make of it yeah and i really needed that those few hours afterwards to like digest it mm-hmm. and kind of piece together and decide what my actual reaction is yeah i guess because yeah it just coming out of it i was like I don't know what to make of that. Which is interesting, because I felt kind of the same way, but not in a I-didn't-get-it kind of way. Like, the the base plot and what's going on with it, you know, I felt like I understood it. Mm -hmm. And looking at, like, you know, there's various articles and videos out about explaining the ending of Us, like, it's some huge puzzle and all that stuff. It's A lot of it was exactly what I thought it was, Mm -hmm. but there was so much more to it that um, you really had to kind of pick apart at it. You do, and I think that was my... If I, in any sort of frustration I felt, was that I knew I was I I wasn't grasping something. Yeah, and I was like, there there is something else there. There has to be like, mm-hmm. and at first I was wondering, I was like, is there anything else there? Because if there is, that that expectation is purely on me, yeah, not on you know Jordan Peele to provide this for us. Yeah, because I think I said at the end of it, um, before really doing any kind of deeper dive into it, it's like, at least what we got was. Uh, a horror story you know this mm-hmm. is just a horror story doesn't have to be deeper than that it really to doesn't. be just, entertaining just because and, and yeah. just because of the particular like authorship of it do we place then extra expectations on it to be deeper than yes. that that we wouldn't place on you know a white horror filmmaker yeah who is just making an entertain something purely for entertainment popcorn fun mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it so yeah i, I was also then uh, dealing with like do i have expectations here that are unwarranted do i just want to think there's more to it but maybe there isn't yeah and if there isn't then what do i do with that (laughs) well one thing i do want to say that uh, i said at the end of it Mm -hmm. before we've done a deep dive and i fully stand by the statement too is this felt very twilight zoney right in plot structure and like what was going on and so i am super excited for what jordan peele's gonna do with the new twilight zone yes. series because <laughs> very true. this very much felt like in a lot of ways like it would have fit perfectly with that kind of thing but mm-hmm. this was a feature length movie yeah exactly um yeah cool 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 so um where did you want to start with this one Oh, I guess we'll say now, we're going to put description warnings and all that, but this is going to be spoiler heavy. We're going to spoil the shit out of us. Don't listen to this if you don't want it spoiled or if you haven't seen it yet. 
you know, we want to spread the love of horror, and uh, I stand by, I love, the less I know about a movie, once I decide I want to watch it, the better. Like, I kind of like getting surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you know, a lot of the 80s schlock and all that stuff, I, I'll go out and get a movie I had never heard of because I read about it, and it's like, oh, this has this infamous scene where this happens? Well, I have to see that, <laughs> you know? Yes. So I'm not trying to say that these movies don't have value spoiled, but mm-hmm. we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. Yeah. We also appreciate that, yeah, usually people don't want it spoiled for them. Yep. So, Especially a movie of this of this style, like, yeah. talking popcorn movies. Like, we recently watched the Resident Evil movies because, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but we just did. Um, it's kind of like the whole, like, why would you climb Mount Everest? Why would you watch these movies? Because they're there. Yeah, to say we did, um, I don't know. <laughs> but that's the kind of popcorny thing where... If someone spoiled stuff from that, I don't think I would have been that upset or mm. it wouldn't have... Like, I didn't get the same thing out of those movies. Like exactly, those, and I don't expect to get the yeah, same thing out exactly. of those movies. And, like, the stuff that yeah. I did enjoy about them, it's like, oh, that took me by surprise because I wasn't expecting something that entertaining. Not, I'm, not, right. I'm not starting a defense <laughs> of the Resident Evil movies here, but it's one of those things that different set of expectations Absolutely. and what you get out of it like you could have told me the plot points in those movies and i don't know that i would have been like oh well what's the point now yeah <laughs> whereas i mean i don't get to experience them for myself brand new yeah yeah it, it doesn't seem as uh, upsetting as it yeah. would going into something that's more story driven yeah i guess <laughs> that said with us this is one of those movies that i was glad i didn't know what was happening when i first saw it but now that i know what was happening i want to rewatch it yes because it's one of those things that it's like oh now that i know what's going on i want to go back and see how that plays exactly. as the movie is constructed what did i miss that was dangled yeah. right in front of my face um we recently talked about a moment like that on our uh jello episode yep. with don't torture a duckling uh, actually, at this rate, this episode might be up before that episode, so I'm not going to spoil what we talked about. Yeah. Because uh, that episode will be in about a week and a half from now, so it just depends when we decide to throw this one up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we talked about how on those second viewings, you see those things that you wouldn't have necessarily picked up on the first time around, but knowing what you know, it's just like, holy shit, it was dangled right in front of my face. Yep. <laughs> it was right there. And I blew past it because it wasn't done in a way that was just like, here's the hint pointing yeah, at the clue. Wink. It was just like on second viewing, you're like, oh my god, they fucking just told me. They told me to my face, what's up? And there is no way yeah, I was going to... I wasn't gonna... receptive yeah. to this telling. Yeah. So it'll be cool to see what us does. Yes. Anyway, so as I was saying before I got into the spoiler warning and then sidebars and all that stuff... You did some uh, reading and stuff like shortly after, like, okay, I need to get into this. And then you sent me some articles that I read today, um, actually not that long ago before recording this, that I thought were pretty cool. But uh, And we'd had a moment to sort of talk about our ideas, but mm-hmm. it feels like you got a bit of a deeper dive into it than I may have. Maybe. Um, so you have, we've talked a bit about this before, this idea of like the double or the twin, the doppelganger, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, the shadow self. Hashtag twinning. <laughs> And um, that's really, obviously, a hugely central part to the plot of this movie. And um, this fear of not only having, like, a doppelganger shadow self, some, like, evil version of yourself out there, but the fear of them being able to supplant you. Yeah. And take over your life. It's kind of going back to a very sort of similar... It's it's a different kind of mode of doing it, but the sort of invasion of the body snatchers mm-hmm. pod people kind of thing, where you're being replicated and... Or even um, like the, the um, separate wives. Yes. 
There, I, I think those movies would actually make a pretty good double bill. Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Stepford Wives. Maybe, maybe we'll do that for an episode in the future. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but actually, you said doppelganger. You used that word specifically. Mm-hmm. And the doppelganger. <laughs> I'm not saying that remotely <laughs> right, but I'll go with it. Um, it's, from, is, it's a German word from the double... I don't know. Well, I don't know, I don't know if German. I just wanted to bust out the German accent. German word. Um, word for... It's uh, often when you see your doppelganger, it's supposed to be an omen of doom mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, that's sort of... They're associated with yeah. darkness, with, with bad things, with uh, misfortune, inauspicious Like, I lost count of happenings. how many short horror stories I read as a kid or heard where I was just like, I was about to get onto this carousel or this roller coaster, and then I saw myself on it, and it freaked me out because it's like, that's me, so I left. And then the whole thing just, like, wrecked, and everyone like a died. Final destination thing. Yeah, like a Final <laughs> Destination thing where the, the portent is seeing yourself right. outside of yourself. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Because... Yeah, you do get a lot of, like, folkloric stuff about that, mm-hmm. for sure. Whether it's you seeing yourself or it's your loved ones seeing you. That's why I always thought, like, best prank, because, you know, those YouTube prank channels that they just do really <laughs> cruel shit that seems like, ouch, why would you ever subject someone to that? Mm-hmm. But I think the best one would be go to an airport. If you had that fucking Mission Impossible face scanning machine, go to an airport and then look at someone about to get on, like, a business flight and just, like, take a quick photo of them and print out a mask of them, throw it on, <laughs> and just be like wave at them as you get on the plane looking like them and then just like you get a free ride Jesus. you get a free business class ride because you freaked out the dude who was supposed <laughs> to sit in your seat because he thinks that he's doomed you just scammed him using his doppelgangerness mm. of course the amount of money spent on inventing and then acquiring this mission impossible technology you probably could have paid for a lifetime's worth of business class That's rides fair, but where's the fun in that yeah where's the fun especially if you have that much money then you're probably really bored and you know instead of I don't know, hiring some random guy to make you a snuff film, like in some previous, epi- previous episode, <laughs> why don't you freak out some business class It's funny how, how you fucking go there, but it's like, you know what, that doesn't feel like a stretch for like what weird rich people do. Weird, weird shenanigans. You know, they go to their hunting lodge for rich weirdos yeah. and they make snuff films. And they like have a society <laughs> and love to shunt and all these things, so yeah. So we're just going to name all of our high society movies in reference <laughs> form? Cool. Yes. Just dropping all these names and references here. Yeah. No big deal. But yeah, so the double comes up in this movie a lot. If mm-hmm. that if that's a spoiler, then Then I'm sorry, like kudos have you not to seen, you, you for missing poster? Have you not yeah. seen the trailer. I was gonna say kudos for you for missing anything about this movie and wanting to go see it. Yeah, because that's true. I personally avoided a lot of trailers and all that stuff and I knew that going yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um so one thing that's been brought up about this movie is is we talked about the doppelganger is usually a sign of of bad luck, of misfortune, of evil. Mm-hmm. It's if you yourself, the real one, are the good, then the the doppelganger is your opposite. It's evil. It's bad intentioned. It's all of these things. Kind of like which one's the evil twin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There always has to be an evil one, right? And so one of the smartest things I think that us does is it complicates that and it makes it very ambiguous mm-hmm. about is there an evil and a good one? Is there one that is who, which one is the imposter? Is, yeah. is it, can we even say there is one that is an imposter? Yeah. At least of, of um, when it comes to Lupita's character. Well, yeah, because, spoiler, giant spoiler that'll kind of inflect everything we talk <laughs> about, um, they are switched. Yeah, it's revealed that at the first encounter when, when um, Adelaide is a little girl, 
her shadow self, her tethered self, whatever you want to call this underground dwelling person, switches spots with her. Yeah. Which, given that we've up to this point had this lead in that it's like, oh, these are the evil other, they're out to kill us and stuff, it seems very nefarious. But mm-hmm. then when you dig deeper into the movie and you get more of why they're doing this, it's more complicated than that. It but is. one thing that's, um, is it's back to what we're talking about with like the genuine fake and mm-hmm. Barnum and Bailey kind of thing where it's just like, this is the imposter, but it's the genuine article imposter. Right. So it's like, does it continue being fake at that point? Yeah. Because it is the so-called imposter that started a family, got married, had kids. And so... Has been successfully living as herself or her stolen, yeah. stolen an identity, I guess. But, but at the same time, it was her identity because she's a, like a carbon copy yeah. of the original, just without a soul, I guess. Yeah. It was the... Because when the end happens and the kid is, Jason is looking at her and kind of knows what's Mm -hmm. up. My first, my immediate first reaction was, that's still your mom. Right. Like the switch happened way earlier than you existed. Yeah, before you were like a twinkle in your daddy's eye or anything. (laughs) Um, But it is one of those things that it's like, that is the mom you've always known and Mm. loved how this revelation complicates that, that is something to to, to think about and all that. But it doesn't work as, like, a total reveal of, like, and then they switched during the final confrontation, and now you're stuck with the evil mother. It's like, that doesn't work because, A, who is the evil mother? Is anyone an evil mother? Mm -hmm. And this is the same mom who's been with you the entire movie. Yeah, your entire life. Yeah. matter. Yeah, just go back to one of the things you said about how um, the movie does such a good job of establishing the tethered as these others. They're so different from mm-hmm. from us. They they talk weird. They walk weird. They yeah. are just like you get the sense that like even though they say we're Americans, we're humans too. They they seem like this weird, uncanny imitation of humanity. Samuel Acra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's like. It's more like an uncanny valley thing as opposed to yeah. like an actual copy just because they're so different. But then mm-hmm. the fact that... It's like when you're watching Polar Express and you see a CG Tom Hanks <laughs> and you're just like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think someone made that exact same joke on like 30 Rock or something. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize I was quoting something till after I said it. Whoops. <laughs> well, let's look at credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that Shadow Adelaide can supplant Adelaide and like just become her ah mm. uh, shows that they're really they really aren't that different after yep. all it's just it's only the set of circumstances under which they find themselves mm-hmm. and that has some scary implications especially for those of us who live in very individualist countries that like to pretend they're meritocracies and that yep. we are where we are because of our hard work and dedication I see you laugh. Yeah, you oh, have a sorry. classmate. It's <laughs> out of that story. I was in a class on indigenous literature, colonial writing. Sorry, the writing was actually the colonial writing mm-hmm. about indigenous encounters and stuff. Right. We specifically framed this point. It's like, yeah, these are white settlers, settlers, mm-hmm. you know, writing about their experiences. And we need to look at that not pure. We don't look at that as objective because God, that's no. <laughs> not. Um, but it is like, this is their perspective on this. Mm-hmm. So let's unpack that see what's going on anyway there's a discussion going on about canada during its founding years and all that stuff and some kid in the class some kid some adult in the class this was a university course um 
had the gall to say, but everyone knows Canada's a meritocracy. And, <laughs> you know, like, cishet white boy. Yeah. Who's, has access to university education. Canada's a meritocracy. I earned this spot entirely by merit, and all the people who don't have this, there's nothing else that would yeah. be holding them back. Never mind that one of the richest Canadians who has more money combined than, like, millions of the lowest-income Canadians inherited his company from his father. That That's the meritocracy. He had the there. merit of being blasted from his dad's pork gun. Exactly, right? And it comes to then... I apologize for saying blasted <laughs> from his pork gun. Pork I'm gonna, gun. I'll see myself out. <laughs> but really, yeah, the merit is just luck it's ch- it's absolute chance mm-hmm. it's the it's these unearned privileges and social capital being bestowed upon us by chance of our birth in the country we're born into the family we're born in, in the skin color we're born with in the bodies with the various yeah. appearances abilities etc and that's not to that say that with. therefore anyone with anything is without merit or they don't have no, struggles for sure, but i think that's where it comes yeah. back to us talking about that complication exactly of it. and yeah that that forced realization that like I, a lot of what I have in my life is purely due to, to luck, to chance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I have, I have way more in common with the, you know, most, the lowest, most marginalized people in society than I might think that I actually do. Mm-hmm. And if I have internalized a lot of messages about they're in that position because of something essential about them, be it a lack of work ethic, motivation, some kind of, you know, racist ideas of, like, racial inferiority. Yeah, that kind of dog whistle racism totally, kind of thing. Totally, yeah, yeah. What, regardless, if, if I've internalized those kind of messages, then this, what us tells us is very scary. Yeah. That it's like, what do you mean? I'm not actually so much more separate from the, those people. Yeah. I think that's important and cool way to, to go about it with this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, because... Uh, I imagine a lot of people would probably agree with this. A lot of people probably wouldn't, but <laughs> the idea is that no, we shouldn't look at ourselves as better and, and as above and, and as exceptional compared yeah. to these people because of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, people can be exceptional and do exceptional things regardless of circumstance, but the means to actually get the recognition and the status from doing so are very, very Not weighted by distributed. Yeah, so you do get those rags to riches stories and ones that are genuine too, as opposed to the like, I worked for everything I had. I went to school on this scholarship that was paid for because my dad bought the library and then he gave me the company. Like, I'm not talking those rags to riches stories. I'm talking about people where it's like, oh yeah, you actually did come from like poor backgrounds and like this almost feels like a mythology I'm telling now because it's definitely been mythologized. Absolutely. And it's used, Um, it's weaponized in such a way to say, well, if, if I, if this guy can do it, anybody can. But that's just just it. The idea is they are by far the exception. Hence the phrase, it's exceptional. Right. (laughs) Because, um, that's not how it works for most people. Nope. So this movie, um, I think Jordan Peele himself said that it's not definitely not explicitly about race or anything like mm-hmm. that in the same way Get Out was. Right. And everything's a lot more ambiguous. This one, um, I'd say, has a big class element yes. to it. Which, in our society, we know is heavily racialized. Is interwoven with yes. race, absolutely. You cannot separate those and have a meaningful discussion about the material realities that said of there can be issues of class separate from issues of for sure. race but in the for sense people who are lower who are like racialized and living in a lower yeah class it's just like shocker how many people fit the bill for both <laughs> right exactly yeah, and how how are certain groups overrepresented 
in impoverished and lower class mm-hmm. parts of society versus who is overrepresented versus underrepresented yep. in the higher parts. So Adelaide, Shadow Adelaide, who just becomes Shadowed. Shadowed. <laughs> uh our protagonist, question mm-hmm. mark. Um, she could be seen as that sort of rags to riches story yep. where she she got out of, and it was by chance and it too. was yeah it, it was, was by, by chance, it, was it was by a pure luck situation a pure luck encounter but yeah. also it was it was her determination she yep. put her yep. hands around the throat of that girl and like choked her out chained her up to the bed and was like i'm you now bye i love it. it's like by her sheer determination to choke out a child <laughs> to choke out herself <laughs> yeah well you know yeah. she was a child doing it so no court in the land would convict her <laughs> totally especially to like her he's like it was my reflection. It's Actually, who are we kidding? It's she isn't not... white. Any court mm, in this true. land would convict her because true, that true, true, fucking true, true. happens. That's true. Ugh. But yeah, she throughout the movie, um, we come to understand that she is clearly repressed her memory, and um, in one of the articles that I read on, I don't think it had listed an author, but the website was called Shadow and Act. Mm-hmm. Um, it talked about how throughout the movie she almost starts showing signs of like survivor's guilt right and the fact that she she got out but she's the only one who did yeah insofar as um you know she shows a lot of empathy for her shadow children yes when when they're dying even though they've been terrorizing her her family and her children specifically their daughter you know their her so-called biological children Yeah. yeah at the same time she's very she has this like almost like maternalness mm. towards them that almost like there's an unconscious recognition that like these could have been my children. Right, like when Shadow Jason is walking backwards yeah, right, into, into the, the fire, she's just like pleading with him to stop. Yeah. She or, never once turns around to look at her own child walking like she doesn't even know the child's necessarily doing that. Yeah. Or at least it's not made clear that she knows. Right. But, you know, his backing away and getting away from them to the point where not to victim blame mm-hmm. way because that could sound very victim blaming but he does get captured by red at that point yeah um but it's one of those things where she's pleading with the shadow child mm-hmm. to not don't do this to yourself yeah yeah even though in the movie is set it up where it, as the audience were like no do it so you can't hurt them like yeah at that you know i yeah, during the other scene with the the daughter on the car, I yeah. was just thinking like, hit the brakes. Yeah, I'm like, fuck her up, run her down, <laughs> and kind of thing. Because you know, I'm cheering for the non shadow mm-hmm. um, to to survive. Exactly, because yeah. that, that's we. You know, they're they're the humans. They're the real. Like they're the ones we identify. That's with. our point of identification. Exactly. Yeah. So oh, I can't remember if I saw it on Twitter or something, but something, a few websites were saying that like an informal poll of audience members who had gone to see us on the opening weekend, because you know how a lot of the times, you know, horror, horror crowds can get very, very into it. And sometimes you'll have the audience, you know, cheer out loud, like a rupturing, get very 42nd street with it. Totally. Yeah. yeah, When, when the, when the, in the final battle against the final evil guy or whatever. Yeah. Apparently when, um, Adelaide kills red, it was actually more common that people found it more disturbing than yeah. they did, like, cheerful or triumphant, because at that point it's so... You understand her motives even if you don't get the twist fully. Like if the, Yeah. Because the, the reveal, like, the actual, like, we are going to show you the reveal at show our hand mm-hmm. um, doesn't come till after that. Right. But 
you know. Yeah, yeah. Because at that point, I know I, I, I was... I don't even remember exactly what point in the, movie, in the movie I thought this, but I started thinking, like, they switched places, didn't See, they? See, I feel like I... I was late to the draw in that I didn't pick up on that. So I found that twist to be a surprising twist. Okay. I don't know happened. if I picked up on it so much as that, or if that was just me doing my like thing that I do sometimes where I like make some random speculation as a joke and then it turns out to be spot on. I did that with the village. I guessed the ending to the of the village to my friends like 20 minutes into the movie tops kind of thing. I was yeah. just like, what if? And then I basically said, what happens in the movie? That was like me with um, the final destination. Oh, that was funny. Because yeah. I was just like, that's hilarious. And what happened? You're like, oh my God. Like, oh, shit. It's not hilarious anymore. It's whoa. Whoa. I could, I could make a final destination, man. I still want to do a movie where the twist is at the final scene, the camera 180s to show the camera crew filming the movie. And M. Night Shyamalan's there. And he says, perfect cut and then it says directed by m night Shyamalan because the twist is the movie was directed by m night oh, the entire yeah. time but uh, <laughs> i apologize for that stupid sidebar back to the topic at hand this um mixed reaction this ambiguity about red being killed by her imposter true self it's it's really mixed up at this point because because you know like we said which one which was the imposter i feel the the going off the message of the movie none of them can really be seen as fake. Yeah. It's just like, there's people and then there is their other that mm-hmm. is seen as othered by the main society that is currently crumbling. Yeah, that also doesn't even so much as like to acknowledge their existence. Um, but I think that goes to, um, back to that Shadow and Act article, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, they're, whole, they're staging this, revolu- this bloody revolution, essentially, and you know, we as identifying with the creature comforts of the above ground, we see the tethered and we're like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, how could they do this? Nobody, nobody even knew about them other than, you know, like the government, but they're absent in this. They're just referred mm-hmm. to, but that you don't see them. Um, yeah, because when it showed all the apocalyptic stuff, I got sort of like zombie movie vibes yeah. from like end of the world kind of thing. But then as it keeps on going, you realize, hold on, that's not what's at work here. Mm-hmm. It's like, like you said, revolution is a great fucking word for it. Yeah. And this Shadow and Act article, had a, I have a great quotation from it. Um, they note that judgment is not always about what you specifically or even consciously do. It can also be about what you should have known, what you didn't do, and what privileges you received at another's expense. Shit. Yeah, right? Because... The, one of the things with privilege is that be, privilege is, you can look at it as not only um, from when it comes to, but when people say check your privilege, what they're really saying is like check your bias. Right. Your bias in your cognitive thinking, but your privilege as well is essentially preferential treatment. Mm-hmm. You're being prefer, preferentially treated over someone else, which implies that they are being less than preferentially treated. So you are gaining something at their expense. Mm-hmm. This is very much a scarcity, zero sum game kind of thing. Right. So. In that sense, you know, we everybody above has what they have because of the tethered below right. are in, you know, in the darkness eating rabbit and acting as shadows, essentially, right. like connected to them with no autonomy, no agency, no life of their own, really. And they've been forgotten. They've been shut out. They've been left in the shadows. Right. And so for Shadow Adelaide to be able to jump out of that on the one hand you you have this like that sort of um rags to riches kind of story like she made it out but at the same time she did that at the expense of red and she took her so by taking her place she also then subjects her to everything that she was trying to escape yeah 
Because no, I, I remember um, at one point Red saying something like, I, th- I think this also kind of maybe th- would throw you off of the idea that um, that Adelaide, the original Adelaide, didn't make it out of the funhouse mm-hmm. because she says, you know, I, I've never forgotten you. I thought of all the, th- I thought y- how you could have taken me with you, which makes you think that oh, the the shadow one is saying, why didn't you take me with you away yeah, from this place? Maybe that's part of what threw me off so much mm-hmm. because. But really, she was saying like you, you know, we could have gone together. Yeah. Like I, or, you know, I, I. She remembered it as escaping. She probably wanted to escape, but there was nothing stopping her from running out after her. Really. Yeah. But this idea that there always has to be one down, one below, above, one, one below. above, one below, as above, so below. Um, but yeah, that that there, and it really speaks to that idea of scarcity and in conversations about how you know, unconscionable it is that you know a hundred guys on this planet can have as not as much can among them hoard as much wealth as like 50 the lower 50 percent of the human population if Mm -hmm. not more is just like absolutely horrendous yeah and people will say oh well no 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 like they whatever uh, it's a meritocracy yeah but then and then when you point out it's like well the reason so many people are in so much abject poverty is because you have so few people who are so obscenely rich no, 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 that's not true. It's like, no, it literally is. There's a, there's a finite amount. There's a, there's a scarce amount. And the way that we have chosen and agreed to, to distribute it around among society means that if we have winners and you have losers, when we have more than enough to go around to have people not living in the conditions of the tethered, Mm -hmm. it would mean that the people up at the top would have to live a little bit lower but apparently yeah it's, a it, little bit a lower little bit, too yeah no on when you look at the, these multi-billionaires and how they you could take like i don't know abs- like a massive portion of their wealth and they would still be millionaires billionaires and all that money what it could do as far as eradicating poverty educate providing education providing healthcare, vaccinations like so many things it's just like how are we not having? A, how do we not have a revolution like fucking decades yeah, ago? Yeah, like you know where, I mean? where are the guillotines? Yeah, totally right. Set and, up a guillotine in the town yes. square. Yes, <laughs> and um, one of the things that Shadow and Act points out, and you really like this quotation too, was that comfort trumps revolution, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this idea that if I, you know, I'm, I'm going to primarily look out for myself and maybe for my family, my loved ones, and that if I can get it, so I'm comfortable enough, I can, I don't mind being looking the other way, and not acknowledging the shadow people yeah because the shadowed shadow adelaide is from the tethered Mm -hmm. but she's not the revolutionary no the and that's one of the cool things too is that yeah the it's the human who lost her creature comforts and her privilege and stuff she's the one who who then incites everyone to revolution saying hey you know this is this is what we're missing out on yeah this is what we're being subjected to let's go up there and like let's take it back let's make ourselves known and fuck shit up mm-hmm. well you know real shadow adelaide who came directly from that and knew it she instead you know represses it and i mean part of that would be just like you know she's young she's gone through some traumatic shit of mm-hmm. course she's going to like i wouldn't expect her memory to be back 100 percent. but yeah. even so the it, from a metaphorical perspective i get or sense i guess um this sort of like willingness to forget right or willful forgetting if we can yeah willful ignorance yeah yeah exactly and um there's a vox article by the author his last name is romano 
um, which also talks a lot about like memory and denial and how mm-hmm. like Adelaide's whole character is based in denial and this like repression, repression of memory. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a, I pulled a great quotation from this one too. Lay it on me. Yeah, America's story is one of history perpetually being forgotten or overwritten, like the genocide of Native Americans, whose iconography gets briefly appropriated and then hastily remodeled for the maze that starts the story. Because you remember at the beginning, it's like, shaman spirit quest, find yourself. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, reading that quote was fucking great, because I remember thinking that was a great little moment where it's like the appropriative indigenous iconography on the maze, and then it had been replaced yeah. By this, like, Merlin fantasy yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but it didn't... Like, I thought that was great because it's like, yeah, that that tracks. America! But, but at the <laughs> same Canada. time, the full depth of it, I didn't quite appreciate it. Where right, yeah. it's just like, the whole idea of willful ignorance, we're going to pave over it. Yeah. And we're just going to ignore that this happened. Yeah, we're going to ignore everything of the history here, but we'll have this, this representation of, you know, the Indian, of, yeah. of what we in the colonial imaginary picture this to be into whatever purpose this serves for us. And then, yeah, as soon as it's not useful anymore, toss it aside. Yeah, they change it just because it's not kosher anymore, not because anything has actually changed. Yeah, no, there's no material change in, in so far as, like, how we view and treat indigenous people yeah. in, you know, the North American content, continent. Right. It's just, yeah, it's, it probably, like you said, it, it would be seen as appropriative or... Yeah. Maybe they maybe they just wanted to spruce it up and change it up after a couple decades. Who yeah, knows? Lord of the Rings came out and they're just like shit. Totally, we got to right? get on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that there's again that sense of replacement where you yeah. just like come in and just yeah, it's it's I I don't think, I don't know that I appreciate it that much in when seeing the movie because I thought that was a great moment. Like as soon as I saw the Merlin thing, I laughed because I remembered what it was mm-hmm. and I thought like, oh, that's fucking great. Yeah, I was like, what? Like that that just fits <laughs> yeah. so fucking well. Um, but I didn't quite appreciate it in terms of the broader message. Right, so yeah. rewatching this will probably help. One yes. other thing that I loved as a little nod that happened, mm-hmm. I remember you even leaned out and pointed at it too, is at the very beginning yes. when we see the TV thing, there's a copy of Chud on VHS sitting there. Okay. I thought it was great because it was like, cool, that's telling us the time this came out at. This is kind of adding mm-hmm. to that. And also the beginning text crawl at the, like the very start mentioned all these abandoned tunnels. And yep. it's like, awesome, Chud, you got these monsters living in the sewers. I thought it was a neat kind of like reference. Yeah. But then when you see how the revolution comes and it's like, oh, these so-called monsters are rising up from the so-called sewers, as or, in the tunnels yeah, under the, the town. underground dwellers. Um. It, exactly yeah. they they are coming up to replace everyone and it's just like the cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller is like the perfect throwback 80s horror riff mm-hmm. on this very contemporary what us like, is yeah yeah no I was, that was so smart i love that yeah oh i feel like i should be wearing my chud shirt while i uh oh, I, say you had one. <laughs> I do have a chud shirt just lounge his back and displays my chud shirt <laughs> no i'm wearing my anthropophagus shirt right now that works that's good um there was some other thing that you had mentioned I had no frame of reference for that I thought was really fucking cool. It was the Hans Christian Andersen story. Yes, that, yeah. That you, you brought up in reference to this. Yeah. Uh, do you care to go into that more? I would love to. So um, I took a class on Hans Christian Andersen, which I guess a lot um, of universities offer. Hans. Hans Christian Andersen, our nice uh, Danish treasure, who... Oh, he, he was a character, man. Like, he... <laughs> 
was apparently annoying as fuck. Like, <laughs> people could not stand to be around him, but he was so talented. His stories were so amazing. They're like, okay, we'll put up with you, but fuck, man, we cannot stand you. <laughs> like, all right, just tell us about the Little Mermaid again and shut the fuck up beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he had. So we obviously, yeah, like the Little Mermaid. We know the Ugly Duckling. We know so many Anderson tales. That you, I, you, I feel you, like I knew Ugly Duckling was him, but even when you said that, I was just like, oh yeah, 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 totally. Like I, everyone hears Brothers Grimm, and they're like, oh, it must be the the Brothers Grimm, which, which is interesting because the Brothers Grimm they they collected folk tales and fairy stories. They didn't actually author any original ones. Whereas Anderson, he has some like um, I think Big Hans and Little Hans and stuff that are based off of folk tales, but he also has a number of entirely original fairy tales that he completely the brothers grims are just they're over Derivative. they're just like the brother mcpoyle basically like <laughs> ugh, ugh. yeah but he has um, i kid <laughs> and um anderson kind of went through these different uh phases i guess that align with kind of the moments that in which he was working so you have the very much the romanticism period right and then you start to have this um in scandinavia at least it was called i think the modern breakthrough which was sort of like post-romanticism and so he has he has a combination of very much like rom- very romantic like fairy stories and fairy mm-hmm. tales for children or not just for children but in part for children because that was around the time that you know the category of the child was invented and suddenly childhood is a thing children aren't just tiny adults they that is fucking wild to me that that was a thing because we just take that so much for granted we do but yeah the child was only invented in like the victorian era i think See, that fucking blows my mind, and I have a hard time wrapping my head around, like, how yeah. that functions as a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's, it's wild. And so, but then he has a number of, I guess, like, art story, or art fairy tales, too, where they don't have that, those same romantic aspects. They start to have more, um, sometimes they have more critical aspects that are more sort of, like, enlightenment kind of ideals, because mm-hmm. that's kind of what the uh, modern breakthrough was, was. You get this pendulum back and forth, you get, like, the enlightenment, then romanticism as a reaction to enlightenment, then you get the modern breakthrough as, an, as a reaction to romanticism, and then you get into, like, neo-romanticism, and it's just this, like, back and forth of, like, nostalgia versus progress versus, and it's, it's, it's wild. It's, it's kind of like right now we finally have smart horror something we've never had before mm-hmm. and it's apparently a reaction to these decades and decades of stupid horror right yes. if you couldn't hear my voice i am doing like two hands worth of jerk off motions with that you're making great again oh i just got douche chills that killed me <laughs> yeah um same. my skin crawled off my body <laughs> so uh one of anderson i i would say probably is lesser known stories because mm-hmm. i have yet to meet anybody when i bring it up who not that i bring it up tons of people or anything because i'm just this like anderson expert or whatever but he has a she story she brings it up a lot we're watching the l word and she's like this is like an anderson like story an <laughs> but he has a short story from 1847 called the shadow which um you all i mean all of his stuff is like long out of copyright you can find it for free online i know when i took my class we didn't have to buy a textbook my teacher just gave us a link to this um it's a web page hosted out of it has an israeli domain interesting and they just have all the stories there I translated should do into english what for i did for poe and lovecraft and just get like a collected works on my yeah. candle or something spend I mean, the 99 <laughs> cents to get it all in one place right yeah so i mean i, I like i i have some anderson books and stuff but if you want to just be able to read any of his stuff it is available for free in a reasonably good translation online because you you found um the shadow in preparation for this yeah and actually the the website that i like just googled yeah hans christian anderson the shadow and i think the first thing that came up was that israeli domain (laughs) that i used for my class so (laughs) so yeah it's there if you want to see it um the translation um i'd be interested to see a more modern one because this one 
has a lot or uses a lot of the like thou and sort of that Thou-ist. kind of but at the same time they they do like the sh- in the conversation they purposefully um differentiate between i wish you would refer to me as you instead of thou because okay. i want you to be more informal with me kind of thing right so i guess that needs to be there to an extent yeah. but anyway Anywho, let's hear about the, the shadow. shadow so the shadow is about there's a man who he is traveling in some foreign land some hot country he's from a mm-hmm. cold climate like denmark and um so Keep in mind, it's from 1847, so they they use some language and stuff that is maybe not as appropriate today when describing people of darker skin colors. I, they don't drop the oh, they don't drop like the n bomb, okay. but nevertheless, there's some outdated language happening. Okay, okay. Or what could be considered outdated, at least for for white people like us and Anderson. Teams. Well, I just name dropped uh, Lovecraft, and that that dude has no excuse for that, his fucking racism. That is very true. Yeah, he <laughs> loved to drop the n word. Anyway, um. So in this hot climate, he's he feel he's feeling very like suffocated. He's like, oh, my apartment's like a furnace, blah blah blah. And he's out on the patio one night because apparently in hot places, all of the everybody has a patio. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he sees his shadow in the you know late sun is cast across onto the condo housing unit, whatever you want to call yeah. it, across from him. And the door is slightly ajar. And he's like, oh, wouldn't you know my shadow? Wouldn't it be interesting if he could just like take a peek in there and tell, you know, report back to me, tell me what's going on. And he kind of jokes like, yeah, you know, you, sh- you should go do that. You should go like, look at all the, go, go sneak around and look at all the shit that I can't see and then come back and tell me what you've seen. And then he realizes later his shadow is gone and he's like, oh my God, like I was just joking. What's going on here? And he eventually, like he starts to grow back a new shadow. And so he, mm. he has a shadow again eventually, but he's kind of like, oh, I don't really know what happened there. Because the sun moving over the horizon does But the next reflect. morning, he stands in the sun. He stands like in the light. He's like, I don't have a shadow. Oh, okay. So it is actually doing like a metaphysical kind yes, of... Yes, like his oh, shadow okay. is gone. <laughs> I, th- I was wondering if it was going to be like an allegory on, as oh, the day yeah. wanes, my shadow disappears. Right. Well, he refers to how back home, everybody knows of a story of a man with no shadow. So mm. maybe it's something like that. But he's okay. like, yeah, I literally have no shadow. I don't know okay. what's going on here. But it's okay. I grew a new one. It's a very, it's a respectable shadow. It grew shadow. back. Yeah. <laughs> like a lizard without a tail. Totally. Yeah. He's like, it's fine. So years go by. And then at some point he's in his, his office, his study or whatever. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's a well-to-do man. He's a writer. He, all this stuff. And this, this really well-dressed gentleman comes in and starts talking to him. He's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. He's like, and this, this man, he goes, oh, I was hoping you'd remember me. Well, I'm your shadow. And he's like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Ever when you let me go, I got to go explore the world and the things that I saw, no human being could see, but that is what gave me my humanity. Like, if you saw, if you had seen these things, you would cease to be a man, but it was become from seeing this and getting to know poetry and, like, in, in like enriching my soul through these, like, enlightening experiences that I've become a man. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, and so you're like, oh, it, and, and so he, the shadow, he has this sense of, like, you know, I, I need to repay my debt to you because... You know, you, I'm, I come from you, if anything, you freed me. And the man's like, well, no, you don't. Like, you're as free as any man can be. Like, it, it's, I appreciate it, but, like, it's fine. Yeah. And so they kind of, they kind of stay in contact. And at some point, the man falls ill. And the shadow, as this, this rich, well-to-do gentleman, says, well, you know, we should, we should take you to, a like, a hot spring, something that would heal you. Here's what we'll do is I will pay for you to you know, I can take you on this trip. I can take you to all these places to see the world, but you have to be my shadow. And he, the guy, guy's like, okay, whatever. So they're, they're going around and now they, they have, they've switched places and yeah, yeah. And it, so eventually it comes to a point where, um, they're at 
some dinner or something with a princess and the shadow is just like totally charming the pants off her kind of thing and he's like oh well i have a shadow that can talk so the shadow shane yeah totally right. oh nice yeah so the shadow is just like oh yeah yeah like being very charismatic and very intelligent the princess is like oh yeah like i want this guy and, and he points out he's like oh I have, I have a shadow that can talk and she's like well that's just so charming <laughs> like i love this <laughs> and um he he like he swears the shadow he so the shadow swears the man into secrecy like you cannot tell anyone that i was your shadow because everyone has to think i'm a man that mm-hmm. i've always been a man and at some point the man the real man he goes well you know i this is deception like i'm gonna tell the princess i'm gonna tell everybody the, the, that you fooled them essentially and he goes well and the shadow says well i'm you know they're not gonna believe you i'm gonna i'm gonna get to them first and he does, and he says, my shadow's gone mad. And they say, oh, your poor shadow, we should put him out of his misery. And the story ends with, like, yeah, the, the shadow and the woman were married, but the man was not there to see it, for he had been executed the previous night. Holy shit. I know, so I, I read, I remember reading this, and you'd be like, the guy who wrote, like, the little, the ugly duckling and all these, like, lovely little stories that I grew up with wrote this? Like, I know, the, I know the real Little Mermaid, or the original, I should say, is a lot darker and yeah. a lot more like existential than anything you the see today. The Edgeward Grimdark version. <laughs> Not even that, but it, it, it's, um, there's a lot more like violence and yeah, yeah definitely a lot of like existential f- terror to it. Because that's what I want in My Little Mermaid. existential terror. It's also super gay because he supposedly wrote it um, to reflect or to work through his unrequited love for a man named Edvard Colleen. I do remember that from class. Edvard Edvard Colleen. And yeah, he, he, his unrequited love. But he also, um, some speculate that he wrote it because he, you know, he was friends with a number of women as well. And he saw Mm -hmm. how they, you know, they're treated as, as far as, you know, this is prior to feminism and and sort of like women's movements and stuff. And so this idea of, like, the, the valued woman being someone who is seen but not heard and who is paraded around like this beautiful doll but treated like an idiot right. kind of thing. So as, as, like, a critical reflection on that as well, which is interesting. Yeah, Anderson is fascinating. If you ever get the chance to, like, really sort of study his stuff, I totally recommend it. It's cool. super cool. He's, like I said, he's quite the character. And to see his work progress through the different kind of, like, social movements at the time, or I don't know if they would have called them movements, but what the context as his life goes on mm-hmm. is really interesting. And he's actually a rags-to-riches story, too. Oh, dang. Oh, yeah. I think he was the son of, like, a shoemaker or something. I feel like it's back when that actually meant something. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, this, um, anytime we get this, like, this sort of, like, doubling and this fear of, like, the shadow self or the doppelganger supplanting you and taking over and you not being able to do anything about it... I, I always go back to the shadow. Right. Not, not, you know, not so many people seem to have heard about that. So huh. I usually get references to other things. I had no idea. Yeah. So it's, that's it's a, it's a really cool story. to hear. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I wanted to share that. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Cause yeah, you get like a lot of talk about like this, I guess the sort of psychoanalytic shadow self. Right. Which is more along the lines of we have this, uh, this dark self, the parts of ourselves that we deny that don't exist the evil parts of us any man could commit murder it's just human nature which i know we love to rag on that cons because i'm like bio truth bullshit yeah i know because it's it's, it seems to me like such a cop-out that so we don't have to analyze ourselves and our motives and whatever is if we just if someone does something terrible we say oh it's It's human nature nature." well okay that then there's there no doesn't need to be any accountability wipe my hands of it no accountability because i can't help myself i am just an animal when 
you know, we also like to elevate ourselves above animals and say, no, we're better than that. We are not base creatures of instinct. So it's like, which is it, guys? You love your dichotomies and your dualisms and your opposite but equal. So let's do this. Let's do this, guys. Put your money where your mouth is. Word. (laughs) Was there anything else you wanted to add before we... uh... I don't think so. Just that this movie fucking rules. I can't wait to see it again. Well, I can because I want a bit more space from it, honestly, to process it some more. I'm thinking I'll probably wait for home video rather than run out and see it again. But uh, very well could be pre-ordering this one. Yeah. So So, who am I kidding? It's me. Of course I'm going to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you wait till like Black Friday, you might be able to yeah. get a nice deal. Anyway, um, yeah, for some reason you've listened to this having not seen it, go out and see it. Yeah. I hope this has encouraged you to go out and see it and enjoy it and yeah. spend hours later mentally digesting it. I've seen so many people who saw like previews of it, you know, maybe like the Thursday before it was released or something, or maybe they saw it at South by Southwest or some of the places it previewed and they're like, I've, it, they're like, I cannot stop thinking about it. It's been on my mind constantly yeah. for like the last five days, the last week. And I love movies like that. Yeah, me too. Cause it's Those just, it, 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 it takes you. a lot to do that. So it, it's, it's quite something when that happens. Cool. We hope you enjoyed this. And, mm-hmm. uh, and also, uh, share any thoughts about us. If you yeah. noticed anything we didn't talk about, or if you have alternative readings or something i'd ask like, you put spoiler warnings our twitter yeah so um, we wanna, at queer horror cult we wouldn't want to uh spoil it for somebody else who might happen to be reading we as, as if we have twitter followers <laughs> yeah we say this assuming the three people that follow us on twitter yeah and that we like ever use twitter we really, yeah I, I, I know we've said this so many times so much of that is on us consistently like the Most. only one we kind of engage with really is instagram mm-hmm. um we're gonna get better at that i'm gonna Maybe we should divvy this up. Maybe I should be in charge of doing Twitter shit since you're so on our Instagram. Maybe. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah, cool. Let's take it easy and keep it sleazy, lads. <laughs>